Welcome back to Koinonia. Uh, my guest is Al Els. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. Al, you and I became close um, back in 1994 when we had some real trials among our leaders and elders at Living Streams, and we called you in for a consultation. And uh, I literally, I've told people I felt like I had Jesus with us, you know. And I had been real shy about that because... Um, you know, I always try and manage our own conflicts, but sure. I was the cause of most of our conflicts because uh, my personal life had been so overextended and I wasn't in a healthy place. And so I was getting angry and the guys on our staff were reacting. Uh, and you came and, and you worked it through with us and, and it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. How do you find yourself in the midst of conflict situations and, and stay sane you, because it's not an easy thing to do. You know, it's interesting. My mom was what I would call a master counselor. Mm -hmm. and, and I think all of us have maybe a parent or a grandmother or grandfather, someone in our life that we kind of uh, emulated and thought was, was a really, you know, great person who taught us something. And my mom, in my family, there were eight kids, six boys, two girls, always conflict. Yeah. My dad's family had 12 kids. Six boys and six girls, always conflict. Wow. We I had mean, eight kids in our family, yeah, and there was plenty of conflict. Plenty of and I also came from a mining town, a rough yeah. and tough mining town. So it seemed like conflict and disagreements and pride and all those things. Anger. Anger, a lot of anger, just kind of came with the territory. And my mother was absolutely masterful at working through that. And I guess, as best I can see, I, I kind of took that on myself that, mm -hmm. that that is something that I like to see happen in people's lives as meaning. I like to see peace come. I like to see resolve come. I like to see unity come. I like to see people get on the same page because uh, when people are on the same page, the purposes of God are increased and enhanced. That's right. That's one of the, the concepts that finally really got a hold of me um, from the Experience in God series that Henry Blackaby did. Mm -hmm. he, he goes through many of the scriptures like uh, Philippians 2, if there's any comfort in Christ, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, you know, make my joy complete, be of one mind and one accord. And when you see that that really is the will of God, mm -hmm. not so much do we do this project or that project, right. do we spend right. this money right. or that money, but that we are together yeah. in it of one mind and one accord, that's God's higher priority than the project. Yeah, and God is pleased Yeah, when that happens. See, and here's another thing I think that is, is common. Everybody has somebody that the chemistry doesn't work well with, mm -hmm. okay? As well as you usually have somebody who it works very well with. The people whose chemistry it doesn't work well with are oftentimes God's object in your life to help refine your edges, reshape you, and bring you to a place where you can be more Christ-like if you will look at it that way and allow that to work in that your life right, that way. Right. That's the big if. And there's some dangers, too. If you're intimidated, if you're talking behind their back, if they become the devil incarnate, then you're in big trouble. You have to obey the Word of God, which says we must love those we can see, right. or we can't love God who we can't see. Oh, that's right. So those spiritual principles really have to govern us. Otherwise, uh, we've got trouble in River City. So I see where people can benefit from conflict. In so my, it doesn't scare you then? So it huh? doesn't scare me, no. Yeah. I mean, I don't like conflict. Mm -hmm. and it's one part of me doesn't like conflict. The other part of me sees it also as an opportunity. And where I really learned that lesson was in my own marriage. 
Susan and I started our marriage with a horrible amount of conflict. Oh, my gosh. I would blow up and get mad every so often. She would get the silent treatment and give it to me for two or three days, and I'd blow up again, then she'd add three days. I mean, <laughs> oh, man, I don't know You're how we lived together. You're in a big deficit. <laughs> we had a big deficit. So finally, I had to kind of grow up and start dealing with it, and the mm -hmm. Lord really put on my heart, use this as an opportunity to change and become more humble and become more who I want you to be. And so I really had to swallow a lot of my anger and a lot of my pride and, and start working on myself instead of trying to just change Susan. And that's really a key because uh, we're, when we're young, we're strong, we're, yeah. we've got lots of testosterone, and it's really <laughs> easy to get angry. The anger of man doesn't work the righteousness of God, that's does right. it? I mean, you might that's be able right. to get people to, to cower or to obey or to go along, but it doesn't really produce the fruit right. of the Spirit and the kingdom of God. What's interesting, too, about anger, Mark, is anger is what is called a secondary emotion, not primary, but mm -hmm. secondary meaning that it's one of those emotions we like that's self-justifying. It helps us feel protected and powerful when we're angry. However, underneath the anger is where the real territory is. There's fear and there's hurt underneath anger. So once you get a person past the anger and you say, okay, now what's, what are you so afraid of? What has hurt you so bad that's made you angry? Then the person can deal with their heart, resolve their issues, and move on. Until that time, all they do is stay stuck in the anger. And they justify themselves in the anger because anger is self-justifying. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, what, back to the counseling, the church in a mess. I was involved in trying to help a church many years ago that was in a mess. And I realized the consequences here are huge because yes. if these elders and pastors blow up, there's going to be hundreds of people's lives affected, and some of them are going to be wounded, and some of them are going to be disillusioned, and they're going to drop out of church. And I was trying harder to keep these folks together than they were. Um, <laughs> do you ever find that, whether oh, you're gosh, doing yeah. marriage counseling or a church conflict, yeah. that you're working harder yeah. to resolve it than the participants? Yeah, and, and in all honesty, when that starts happening, you got to back off. Mm-hmm. I don't think God ever takes away a person's responsibility for themselves in life. And that's why people who enable, people who protect other people too much are unhealthy and, in the, and getting in God's way. God wants us to be responsible for who we are and take the responsibility to change, take the responsibility to resolve conflict, take the responsibility to live at peace with our brothers and sisters. So if you're the one doing all the work trying to keep your kids happy or trying to do all the work keeping a marriage mm -hmm. together, doing all the work of trying to help some church, and they're not taking the responsibility, then you're just wasting your time. Yeah. I think. You will. I agree completely. And that's what codependency is all about. That's and right. it can be manifest in a lot of different ways. Um, the classic thing I've heard parents say sometimes is, um, well, if my adult child who's acting like a child and not an adult, uh, if I was to kick them out, well, they'd be on the streets, they could die, then I'd feel terrible, and therefore I have to save them, I have to rescue them, and, and I know they're 30 and they should have a job, but they don't. And <laughs> I've heard this story many a time. What do, you, what do you say to parents in that well, situation? Well, the first thing, let me say this. I had to do it in my life. Yeah. I had a child who was into drugs and being irresponsible, not working, and leaving the house and going to a friend's house across the street and doing drugs instead of working. And when I finally, finally faced the reality of it, I was, I was put in a position either I had to do something and tell my son leave, or I had to keep supporting his sin. Yeah. And it broke my heart, I'll tell you this. I feel for people in that position. It broke my heart to do it. But 
I made him leave. He ran the streets of Phoenix for a year. People would report citing him with just cutoffs and pockmarks on his face from the crystal meth and all kinds of problems, and my heart broke and broke and broke. I think I prayed every single day for a year for my son with tears. Yeah. And finally, God delivered him and brought him back, and I was so thankful for it. And I don't think if I'd have put him out of the house, I don't. I think to this day he'd still probably be using drugs. Yeah, if you had continued to shelter him. That's right. Because you're afraid that the consequences yeah, will kill right. him, and that's really what it is. It's the fear and insecurity right. of the parents. And obviously, there's no guarantee your son could have died, mm -hmm. but the truth is, he probably would be dead today if you hadn't. Drawn yeah, or, the lines. or maybe somebody else would have been dead because of his foolish behavior. You never right. know. Right. That's right. And because if you don't draw the line, what you're really saying is, mm -hmm. my child is so irresponsible yes. that they can never be trusted yeah. to take care of themselves, and I can't trust God to take care of them. That's therefore, right. I have to do it. And a little, a little tip I think is that anytime you find yourself facing a decision that requires you to be active and face your own pain. If you don't do it, you're really just protecting yourself as well as the other person. That's right. You're, what you're really saying is, I don't want to go through the facing the pain in yeah. my own heart of doing what's right. Yeah, yeah. And like so, it says in Psalm 15, uh, who, who can approach God's holy hill? He who swears to his hurt and does not change. He who swears to his pain, he who faces his pain in life mm -hmm. and still does the right thing. Amen. So, Al, for many years you were just counseling people Mm -hmm. many people, right. day after day after day. How did you personally stay healthy and stay refreshed with the burdens of so many folks coming your way? Well, the, uh, that is when I developed a real, what I would call a rich devotional life with Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, hands down, that was the thing that sustained me because I would, I would take, I would every morning have a list of all the people I was going to see that day or people I'd seen the day before or the day before that who bothered me because because they were such pain that I carried some of their pain. And I just, yeah. And the best thing I can say is I prayed it through. I would yeah. sit and pray and tell the Lord everything about it that I thought and ask mm -hmm. his help and maybe sometimes cry a few tears, sometimes say, Lord, I can't carry this burden. Would you carry it instead? I mean, I had to, for lack of a better word, negotiate with God yeah. <laughs> about people's lives so that I could sustain a ministry living in people's problems. I don't think anybody can live in people's problems very long. I also was younger, had more strength, <laughs> more endurance, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you this, by the end of the week, I had enough. I had had enough by the end of the week. So what I did for relaxation is I'd work in my yard. Uh -huh. I would build gardens. I would do little prod wood projects, anything at all to be by myself, yeah. you know, and not have anybody's problems there. <laughs> That's what Winston Churchill used to do. Uh, during the war, he would build a stone hedge. Or he would do some painting or that's, something that's like what that. I did. He said that it refreshed him to exercise a part of his mind that he didn't usually yeah, exercise. Yeah. And I still do that a lot. Um, now your your counseling ministry, you had a number of counselors working mm -hmm. with you. At one time, it, it, you guys ended up in the paper, and you had a mm -hmm. big mess. And what did you learn from all of that? A lot of humility. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Um, it was a strange deal because it was something that we never anticipated. And it was a lawsuit that, well, without going all the history, a lawsuit that caused us all a lot of pain for about five years. And I, I find it's a it, trial that didn't go away right yeah. away. Huh? In fact, you know, when, when uh, Paul says there are evil days, yeah, I think there are also evil seasons. Right, <laughs> you know? right. This wasn't just a day. This was like for years, the pressure of lawyers and lawsuits and 
and public appearances. I mean, I even had people nationally call me, can I interview you? And what I really found out in the meantime, well, I'll share it after this break. We'll be right back after this break. My guest is Al Els. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams Church. I hope you're enjoying this interview. Stay tuned to Koinonia. Koinonia. 